0: Okay, brothers and sisters, uh, praises be to our loving Father. We're gathered together to study the words of God. The topic for today is successor. You'll find out later on why, th- why that is the topic of our study. So let's just pick up where we left off. We came from last week's episode concerning the inheritance, because Yehudah God instructed Moses to give the proper laws and decrees concerning what will be inherited by the tribes of the people of Israel. And so I can see that perhaps the people of Israel were excited because they were going to gain their inheritance in the promised land. Now, after giving the instructions concerning how the inheritance is to be divided, what issue, what problem came up? Let's read the book of Numbers 27, one to four. One day a petition, look at that, a petition was presented by the daughters of Zelophehad. Who were these daughters? Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. Those are nice, nice names for females. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. Their father, Zelophehad, was a descendant of Paphor, son of Gilead, son of Makir, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Our father died in the wilderness, they said. He was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against Jehuah. He died because of his own sin, but he had no sons. Why should the name of our father disappear from his clan just because he had no sons? Give us property along with the rest of our relatives so after giving the instructions concerning the inheritance of the land what issue came up the issue that was presented by the daughters of Zelophehad take note Zelophehad was in a unique situation he had no sons he had five daughters do you know of anyone who has five daughters nice to have daughters But during the days of ancient Israel, females, take note, they were not treated exactly as equal as males. That was the standard, not because of Israel, but because of the whole world. You see, during the ancient time, females were considered just property. I know, that's sad, right? Especially for those fighting for women's rights. And so the problem comes up. Well, there's uh, Zelophehad. He had no sons. Five daughters he died who gets to inherit the land will he be forever removed from the memory of his clan and so this issue was given to who to Moses you know when Moses was a leader the cases that were not so complex or very they're easy to manage and resolve it was given to his advisors the more complex problematic cases he was the one who handled them however there are cases that perplex even moses this was one of them what are we to do with the daughters of zelophehad are they going to inherit property from the land and so what do you think moses did well this is what he did the book of numbers 275 so moses brought their case before Yahuwah. why because this was unprecedented Nothing like this was ever brought to him before. And so he needed to consult with Yahuwah God because keep in mind, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel was a theocracy. The one who truly rules over the people was Yahuwah God himself. And so what the the law needs to be brought to the attention of Yahuwah, this case, I mean, should be brought to the attention of Yahuwah God. What do you think Yahuwah God's reply was? Can't wait to find out. Let's read the book of Numbers 27, 6 to 7. And Yahuwah replied to Moses, the claim of the daughters of Zelophehad is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father." And so what was Yahuwah's decision concerning this case, this petition that was made by the five daughters of Zelophehad? Well, Yahuwah said they have a legitimate case. And so the decision was that the property should be given to the daughters. This was a big win for the females, for the women, because nothing like this has ever been documented in ancient times because in ancient times women's rights were not even considered. It was a male-centric society. Women were treated as second-class citizens, not equal among the males. But Yahuwah's decision was a landmark decision. He was showing that females were just as valuable as Males. Not only that, because of this incident, what did Jehovah God decree? Let's read Numbers twenty-seven eight to eleven and give the following instructions to the people of Israel: If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to his daughters. And if he has no daughter either, transfer his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. But if his father has no brothers, Give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan. This is a legal requirement for the people of Israel, just as Yahuwah commanded Moses. So Yahuwah did not only give a decision in favor of the daughters, he made it into a law, a social or civic law. Remember when we talked about the law of Moses, it had a moral part, a ceremony part, and a social part, a civic law was passed by Yahuwah God, it was decreed by Yahuwah God to count, to govern the civil or social aspects of society and so this was because the people of Israel not only was it a religion, it was also a nation and so we can see here from Yahuwah God's decision and from the Bible in general that women should be thankful to the Bible. Why? Every woman today ought to be thankful for the word of God because it is, if you notice, if you notice this, it is the Bible that first gave women their rights. And so I think it's kind of good to know that, right? So after all this discussion about inheritance was finished, it was time to conquer the land, right? However, before doing that, what did God instruct Moses to do? Numbers 27:12. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, go up this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I have given the Israelites. What was that land? The promised land, the land of Canaan. So Yahuwah, God tells him to go to this mountain. What was the name of that mountain? In Deuteronomy 32, 48, 49, it tells us the name. On that same day, Yahuwah told Moses, go up into the Abiram range to Mount Nebo in Moab, across from Jericho, and view Canaan, the land I'm giving the Israelites as their own possession. Where was that mountain? What is the name of that place, that mountain, where Yahuwah God directs Moses to go to, to see with his eyes the promised land? It was Mount Nebo. You know, even today we can go to Mount Nebo, person can actually go there perhaps in our uh, field trip to Jerusalem. Maybe we can go to Mount Nebo because from Mount Nebo, you can see exactly this. You can see Canaan, the land of promise from the vantage point of Moses. So God tells Moses, go there to Mount Nebo. I want you to look at the promised land. Why does God tell him to do this? Numbers 27, 13 and 14. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron. For you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zid. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. These are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. So why did God instruct Moses to go to Mount Nebo so that he can see the promised land that he is to give to Israel? Because after that he was going to be laid to rest. He was to die and to join his forefathers to die like Aaron. And so God wanted to at least for him to see the promised land, but he was not to enter the promised land why did God decree why did he say that Moses you have been a good leader but you're not going to go enter the promised land well Yahuwah God himself gave the explanation that's because the both of you you and Aaron you rebelled against me do you still remember the incident in the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin remember what Yahuwah God instructed Moses to do because they were looking for water, right? What was the instruction of Yehovah God to Moses? Yehovah said, speak to the rock and water will come forth out of it. But instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He struck it twice with his rod. Remember, this was not the first time something like this occurred. In the first incident, when Yehovah God was in Mount, by Mount Horeb, right? What did God say to Moses so that the rock would bring forth water? God said to Moses, hit the rock with a a rod, right? Water will come out. This time, God says, speak to it. But instead of speaking to it, he struck it twice. And because of this, Yahuwah God says to Moses, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. Why did Yahuwah God say that? Because the rock that he hit, the rock that he was supposed to speak to so that water would come out, it was symbolizing or it was pointing to who? Yahushua HaMashiach. We talked about this in detail in one of our episodes. I forget which one it was, but I do recommend that you look at it so that you can see what this was all about. So the point is, Yahuwah God does not tolerate sin. yes. Moses did a great job. He was a great leader. But because of his shortcoming, Yahuwah decides not to let him enter the promised land. So when he was not allowed, after the decree for him not to enter the promised land, what did uh, Moses say to Yahuwah? What was his request? Let's read 15 and 17. Then Moses said to Yahuwah, O Yahuwah, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the community of Yahuwah will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And so this was nice of Moses. You can look, you can sense the heart of Moses here, right? Because when we we look at the life of Moses, as we go through Exodus all the way to the book of Numbers, We can sense his passion and love for the people of Israel to the point where he said to Yahuwah, just kill me instead of the people of Israel. So he has a passion. He loves the people of Israel. That alone makes Moses a fantastic and great leader for the people. And so he knows he's going to pass away. He will not enter the promised land. And so he asks Yahuwah God, please appoint a new man as a leader, to guide them, to shepherd them, so that they will be led properly. And so what does Yahuwah God say? Let's read the book of Numbers 25, verse 18. Yahuwah replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. And so what was Yahuwah's response after Moses makes the request for Yahuwah to give them a leader? Yahuwah says yes. And who was the chosen successor of Moses? Who was it? Joshua, son of none. He is to succeed Moses. He is to take over Moses after he passes in Mount on Mount Nebo. Take note, this chosen leader was not chosen by a vote, right? This was not a popularity contest. This was not by democracy. Who was the one who chose his leader? God Himself. Yahweh told Moses, "You don't have to take a vote. You don't have to cast any stones. Joshua, Joshua, son of Nun, is the one that is going to be the one to replace you and succeed you as the leader of Israel." And so, what does Yahweh God instruct Moses to do to prepare Joshua? Let's read Numbers twenty-seven nineteen to twenty. Present him to Eleazar. The priest, take note, Eleazar was not only the priest, he was the high high priest. priest. He was the one who replaced uh, Aaron before the whole community and publicly commissioned him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. What was instruction of Yahuwah uh, concerning Joshua. To prepare him to succeed in leading the people of Israel, well, Jehovah says present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community because it's important that the whole community knows who is going to be the leader. Because if there was no declaration of who's going to be leader before the whole community, you're going to get you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to have a lot of uh, different struggles for the leadership position. And so it was important that the whole community will be able to see that Joshua is the chosen one. He will be the one to succeed Moses. Verse 20, transfer some of your authority to him. It's interesting. It doesn't say transfer your authority. It says some of your authority to him. And what was instructed by Yahuwah God concerning the leadership of Joshua. This is interesting. 27, 21, he will depend. Speaking of Joshua, when he's leading, right? Whenever Joshua would need guidance, whenever Joshua would need direction as far as where the people ought to be going, Bible says he will depend on Eleazar, the priest, who will learn my will By using the Urim or Urim and Thummim in this way, Eleazar will direct Joshua and the whole community of Israel in all their affairs. That's very interesting, right? Because God is telling Moses when it comes to Joshua for him to properly lead the people of Israel, he needs to know the will of. God, right? Especially concerning certain issues, certain problems. And so Yahuwah God tells him, okay, this is what he needs to do. He needs to depend on Eleazar, the high priest. And what will Eleazar, the high priest, do so that he will know the will of Yahuwah God? He will use the Urim and the Thummim. Do you still remember the Urim and the Thummim when we studied this before to give you a refresher course in Exodus 28:30, insert the urim and the thumim into the sacred chest piece so they will be carried over Aaron's heart when he goes into Yahuwah's presence. In this way, Aaron will always carry over his heart the objects used to determine Yahuwah's will for his people whenever he goes in before Yahuwah. The high priest has special garments. He has what is called an ephod, which is like a garment that you put over you, right? And this is how it looks like. The garment, you see the the garment that he's wearing is called the ephod. And on the ephod, he also puts on a breastplate. And inside the breastplate, there's probably a pocket within, are two objects, the urim and the thumim. And the Urim and the Thummim, nobody really knows about because the Bible is not very um, explicit about what it looks like. Are they stones? Are they sticks? Nobody really knows. It's just in the Bible, the Urim and the Thummim, and the high priest has it. He carries it with him in the ephod. And so this is what a lot of people think they look like, right, two rocks. And it functions to reveal the, the will of God. Again, nobody really knows how it functions, how it works. There are some who say you ask Yahuwah God a question, like a yes or no question, and then the high priest will will, will will insert his hands in his pockets and bring out the two rocks. And then the the question is answered on one rock, and then the other the other rock or other object, we don't even know if it's a rock, the other object will reveal if it's from Yahuwah God or Not and so this is how they are directed concerning the will of God, and this was used in when David or during David's time in Samuel 37 to 8, and he said to Abiathar, the high priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it, then David asked Yahuwah, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? Yahuwah told him, Yes, go after them, you will surely recover. Everything that was taken from you. The truth is, not much has been said about the Urim and the thummim because throughout history of the people of God, especially during the times of the monarchy, it was never and rarely ever used. It is as though the prophets eventually replaced the Urim and the Thumin because the prophets were the ones who were declaring to the king what Yahuwah's will Yes, But even after the captivity, this was noted in Ezra 263, the governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food from the sacrifices until a priest could consult Yahuwah about the matter by using the Urim and the Thummim, the sacred lots. So that's the umim, Urim and the Thummim. The reason why I bring it up is because it was mentioned concerning the leadership of Joshua, right? And so Joshua, when he had Facing a a problem or an issue. Joshua needs to make a decision. But a good leader wants to make sure the decision reflects the will of Yahuwah God. And so what does Joshua do? He consults with the high priest, right? What does the high priest do? He will use the Urim and the Thummim. Why? So that the will of God will be determined. And so Joshua is to depend on the high priest who will use the Urim and the Thummim to get Yahuwah's will. It was different with Moses. You notice that? With Moses, it was a direct line, right? With Moses, God speaks to him face to face. This is not a knock on Joshua. It just tells us Moses was on a different level. He was the lawgiver. After all, he was the one who wrote the book of Torah, the Torah, right? The first five books. It's called the first five books of Moses. Of course, the final editing, the final parts of Deuteronomy, according to tradition, it was Joshua who completed it. But it shows us that Yahuwah directly guides uh, Moses. And so Moses was given this instruction concerning, for example, when it, when it comes to the case about the, uh, the, the daughters, remember? When this was presented, he didn't know what to do. What did he do? So Moses brought their case before, Yahuwah. And Yahuwah replied to Moses. Direct revelation. Isn't that nice? Although during the days of the conquest, Yahuwah God did speak to Joshua. But not in the same way as God spoke to Moses. It tells us a lot about the ministry and leadership of Moses. Yahuwah God indeed loved Moses, but it doesn't mean that just because he loves you that he will tolerate your sin, right? Because Yahuwah God did not permit him to enter the promised land. This should tell us a lot, that Yahuwah God is concerned about sin in our life. And so we should not think that just because God loves us that we can live a life of doing anything we want. No, we need to clean ourselves from sin because this is what Yahuwah God wants from each and every one of us. And so what did what else did Yahuwah God instruct Moses concerning Joshua? Uh, verse 22 to 23, so Moses did as Yahuwah commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar the priest, and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as Yahuwah had commanded through Moses. Okay, so that's the end of Numbers chapter 27 however there's something that I want all of you to understand and learn right you know what that is my question is why was Joshua chosen if I were to ask you that why out of all the people why was Joshua the one chosen by Yahuwah God right what do you think the answer is why well I don't really know <laughs> right? But he was chosen. I don't know specifically why God chose him, but we can learn something from the life of Joshua, which we can learn from so that we can also be chosen. How many here want to be chosen? I want to be chosen, right? I want to be chosen by God, which takes us to a very enigmatic statement from Yahuwah, uh, Yahusha HaMashiach, And this is found in Matthew 22, verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. You see, the Bible tells us that there are many called, and there are few chosen. And we want to be among the few who are chosen. What's the difference between the called and the chosen? Well, there are people who are called, but they don't respond to the call. You get it? And so for for one to be chosen... You need to respond to the call. And so for us to be able to be chosen, we need to do what Yahuwah God wants us to do. In other words, we need to know and understand the characteristics of the chosen, right? So what are the characteristics of the chosen? What does it mean? be chosen. Well, let's go ahead and ask the question, how can we be like Joshua? Isn't that what we want to know? How can we be like Joshua? So let's, let's look at the life of Joshua. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, 2 and 8, this is what it says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man. Everyone a leader among them from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. And so what are the characteristics of Joshua? What are the characteristics of the chosen? Because Joshua was chosen, right? We, we, we want to learn from him. We want to become like him. So what do we need to understand about Joshua? Well, the Bible tells us when you look at the history of the people of Israel, when you look at the Bible, there's not much that is mentioned about the history of Joshua. It's like he just popped in out of nowhere. Like where did this guy come from? Right? The origin of where he came from, not much is known. It just mentions he comes from the tribe of Ephraim. His given name was Hoshea, son of Nun. That's all we need to know. That's all we have. About Joshua, he was just an ordinary person. He was not a Levite. He was not related to Moses. Because there are some who would argue, shouldn't like a descendant of a Levite be the one chosen? Shouldn't a descendant of Moses, perhaps one of his sons, could have been the successor? But no, it was a regular person, an ordinary man from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of None. So what we can learn from Joshua, he started off as an ordinary man. That's it. He was just an ordinary man, right? And because a lot of us think that you have to have some kind of pedigree in order to be chosen. No, any individual doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter what your race or nationality is. Anyone can be chosen. Just like Joshua, he was an ordinary man, but he eventually became chosen. Okay, that's number one. What else? In Exodus 17, 8 down to 10, this is written. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. How else can we become like Joshua? What can we learn about Joshua? The Bible says he fought fought and he fought well during this time when the people of Israel were in the wilderness they were attacked from behind right and who was the one who led the army Joshua and he fought the army of Amalek not only did he fight the bible says he overwhelmed the the army of Amalek in battle in other words he fought and he fought well, giving his best effort. It was a partnership because Moses and Aaron, they were praying and praising God. And he was in the battlefield doing the dirty work, doing the actual fighting. You see, as people of God, we have to also be willing to do that. We have to fight for our faith. When we are called by God to become his sons and daughters, it doesn't mean we're not going to do anything anymore. No. No. We have much work to do. And if we want to be like Joshua, we need to work with the best of our effort. He fought with his best effort. We need to work with our best effort as well. So that's number two. What else? What else can we learn so that we can be like Joshua? Exodus 24, 12 to 13. Now, Yahuwah said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and remain there. And I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. What else can we learn from Joshua? Well, he was a dependable servant of Moses. Do you remember in our studies in the book of Exodus? Yahuwah God instructed Moses to go to Mount Sinai to receive the tablets which contained the Ten Commandments. And so he selected um, Joshua to aid him, to be with him. And so he was somewhere at midpoint of the mountain. You know how long he had to stay in the mountain? How long was that? Forty days and forty nights. Can you imagine? Moses, while he was in the mountain speaking with Yahuwah God, Joshua was just there in the middle of nowhere. And he was there from the beginning when uh, Moses went up and all the way to the end when when Moses came down. And so he was a servant. He was a dependable servant willing to do even things that normal people really don't like to do, like the, the boring things, the things that were behind the scenes. And so this was Joshua. He was a dependable servant. So, so far, he was just an ordinary person, just like you and I. Okay? No pedigree, no history. Number two, he fought with his best effort. Number three, he was a dependable servant. What else? Exodus 33 11. So, Yahuwah spoke. To Moses, face to face, as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But take a look at this his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. For some reason, Joshua was always near the tabernacle. Why? Because he had a zeal for Yahuwah. It was in the tabernacle that the presence and glory of God was manifested for all of Israel to see. And this Joshua, he loved Yahuwah with a passion. He worshiped Yahuwah with a passion. He had a zeal for the presence of Yahuwah God. He wanted to be with him at all times. So, so that's number four. Joshua was zealous for Yahuwah our God. What else? Book of Numbers 14, six to nine, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if Yahuwah is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against Yahuwah and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But Yahuwah is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Do you remember Kadesh, Barnea, their first stop? When Yahuwah God instructed Moses, select spies to look out, look and uh, scope out the land, the promised land, right? And when they came back, the majority, what did they say? It's a, it is a nice land. It's a fertile land flowing with milk and honey. But there's giants there. We're afraid. Let's go back to Egypt. And so they corrupted the thinking of the other Israelites. And so they all wanted to go back to Egypt, except for two individuals. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. What did they believe? What was their faith? The Bible says, if Yahuwah is with us. They will be helpless, pray for us. In other words, when the people were afraid because of his faith, he, overcome, he overcame the fear. You know, brothers and sisters, as human beings, is it normal to feel fear? Yeah. Courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. No. We feel fear all the time. It's a good thing that we feel fear. See, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing what you need to do. Courage is doing the right thing to do, even if you are afraid. And that's what we need to do nowadays, because there are many things that cause us fear, right? There are people, for example, who are afraid of the registry. They're afraid of losing their names in the so-called registry. There are people who are afraid of certain things, The the, the, the pandemic maybe. And so we, like Joshua, need to realize that we have a God. And Yahuwah God is powerful more so than anything that we're going to face in life. Do you believe that? That's the only way to overcome fear. When we have this belief, this relentless belief, that if Yahuwah God is with us, nothing can touch us. And so that was Joshua. You know, He overcame fear. Because of his faith, right? What else can we learn about Joshua? How can we be like him? In Numbers twenty-seven eighteen, 18, Yahuwah replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. This was important. The one thing that Joshua had was the spirit. He may not have the pedigree, He may not have been a part of the Levites. He may not have been blood related to Moses. but The one thing he had was more important than all of that. What was that? He had the spirit. You know, brethren, we too have the spirit. How do we get the spirit? When we were baptized in the body of Yahushua, we have the spirit. We need to make sure that we don't grieve the spirit. How do you grieve the spirit again? When you have bitterness and hatred in your heart. How you grieve the Spirit? How else do we grieve the Spirit? How else can we drive the Spirit when we live in the flesh, when we live in sin? And so, brothers and sisters, we need to renew our lives so that we can have the Spirit in us. Because this was one of the characteristics of Joshua. He had the Spirit. And when it comes to Joshua, what else do we need to see about his life? In the book of Numbers 13, verse 16, these are the spies Moses sent to explore the land. He changed the name of Hoshea, son of Nun, to Joshua. And so his given name was Hoshea. But when he was selected by Moses, he changed his name to Joshua. I believe this was not by accident, but by purpose. And I believe this was because of the will of Yahuwah, our God, right? Why? Because Yahuwah wants us to see something about Joshua. What is that? When we read the word, jo- the name Joshua in English, it's spelled Joshua, right? But the Hebrew of Joshua is spelled like this. Does that look familiar to you? Yeah. yeah? What is that? Yeah. That is Yahushua. And so when we look at the Hebrew name, of what people call today is Jesus and Joshua, the Hebrew name is that, Yahusha. Now, what is the meaning of Yahusha? Because when it comes to Hebrew names, when it comes to God's purpose concerning a name, it has a meaning. It has a purpose. What is the meaning of the name Yahusha? Well, it comes from two words, Yahuwah and Yahshua. Yahuwah means I am who I am, the self-existent one, Hebrew number 3068. Yahshia means uh, to save, be saved, be delivered, Hebrews 3, 4, 6, 7. And so the meaning of Yahusha is I am he who delivers or I am he who saves. This is why when we look at Joshua, he fulfills the name that was given him, which is why it makes sense that his name was changed from Hosea to Yahusha in English, Joshua. That's why we need to also look at the name when it comes to the name of Yahusha, For example, why was the name given to the Savior, Yahushua, in the book of Matthew 1:20 to 21? But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, as your wife for the child, that who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Yahushua for he will save his people from their sins. This is why the name given to the Savior is Yahushua because he will be the Savior of his people. How or what kind of Savior save his people from their sins. that's why the name was given to him, the name that was given him is Yahusha. And so, why is it appropriate to give the name Yahusha to Joshua? Well, let's take a look at Deuteronomy three twenty eight and thirty one twenty three. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage us and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. Yahweh commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words, be strong and courageous for you must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them. I will be with you. And so why is the name Yahushua appropriate to be given to the name Joshua? That's because of the work that he's going to do. What is that work? He will be the one to bring the people of Israel into the promised land. He will be the deliverer. I will be your deliverer because Yahuwah God will use him as the instrument, not Moses, but Yahusha, son of Nun. He will be the one to deliver the people of Israel to the promised land. And eventually Yahusha, our king, Yahusha HaMashiach will be the one to also bring us into the real everlasting promised land in the kingdom of heaven, the holy city. Now, why else is the name? How else does Joshua typify Yahusha? In The book of Numbers 27, 17 to 18. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the community of Yahuwah will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, Yahuwah replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has a spirit in him and lay your hands on him. So Joshua is also likened to a shepherd who will guide and lead the people belonging to God, right? Who was also likened to a shepherd? Who is to shepherd the people who were likened to lost sheep? Who is that? Yahusha, 1 Peter 2.25. Once you were like. Sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Who is that? Yahushua HaMashiach. So we can see in the life of Joshua, he typified, number seven, he typified Yahusha, And so the question was, the question is, how can we be like Joshua, right? What are the characteristics of the chosen? That was the question. What are the characteristics of the chosen? How can we be like Joshua? Number one, he was just an ordinary man. Number two, he fought with his best effort. Number three, he was a dependable servant. Number four, he was zealous for Yahuwah. Number five, he overcame fear by faith. Number six, he had the spirit. And Number seven, he typified Yahusha. I want you to look at that list. Doesn't that also describe our journey? Right, I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, an ordinary man, an ordinary person, can be just like who? Sure. Yahusha. That's the characteristic of a chosen one. An ordinary man, when he is called, if he responds to that call, he can become just like Yahusha. Why? Romans 8, 28, 29, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, Yahuwah God wants all of us who are called to be just like who? Yahushua, can it be done? Yeah, look at Joshua. He was just an ordinary man. He was an ordinary person. We too are ordinary, aren't we? But just because we're ordinary, God can do extraordinary things in our life if we will let him. You see, before, be, between the calling and becoming like Yahushua, there's this middle part. What does God do in that middle part? The Bible says he causes Everything to work together for our good. And so, all of our experiences in life, good or bad, whatever in between, everything, every circumstance, every person we meet, every place we go to, all of our experiences in life, Yahuwah God is using all that so that we can become like who? His Son. Isn't that exciting? That's what it means to be chosen. And so we should interact with Yahuwah God as he's working in our life and through our life in the same way Joshua did. So that all that stuff in between can work together to bring us to become more and more like Yahusha. And so we need to follow the example of Joshua. Just because we're ordinary doesn't mean we cannot be like our king. Of course, not in terms of his power or authority, but in the way he thinks and the way he speaks, the way he acts, right? To become like him. And so let us be like Joshua. Let's do our best in serving. Let us be dependable at all times. Let us have a zeal for Yahuwah in worshiping him. Let us overcome all fear by faith. Move forward, not backward. We need to have the spirit of God at all times. So that we can eventually become like Yahushua. Why should we not be surprised that even if we're just ordinary, we can become chosen? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Corinthians 1, 26, 29. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes. Or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose Things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring to nothing the world, what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Brothers and sisters, why do we have the confidence that even if we're disordinary, that we have nothing to boast of, that we can become like our king, Yahushua, that we can become like the son of God. It's because it's part of the calling. Because Jehovah God does not want us to boast in his presence. He specifically called most of us who are not wise in the world's eyes right not wealthy in the world's eyes bible says apostle paul says that yahuwah god chose things despised by the world the foolish of the world in order to put to shame the wise so that we would not glory in the presence of god so brothers and sisters, we can be ordinary. We can be nothing special as far as the world is concerned. But as far as God is concerned, we're special to him. And he has a plan for all of us. His special plan for all of us, what he intends for all of us, every single one whom he called, is to be among his chosen, to become like his son, Yahusha. Hamashiach, And so, brethren, let's work together with God. Let him work in us and through us. Let him form us so that we can become who he wants us to be according to his pleasure, plan, and purpose. Because in the end, we will inherit the promised land, and we will be with our king, Yahusha Hamashiach, to enjoy the blessings that Yahuwah God has prepared for each and every one of us. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes. Yehovah God, thank you so much. Yes. For all that you have blessed us with. Yes. Thank you for wisdom that you have given to your people. Amen. As we study your holy book. Yes. We can see very clearly. Indeed, you want us to recognize your son. Yes. To worship your son. Yes. To know him and recognize him as our savior. Yes. And slowly but surely. To be just like him. Yes. This is what we intend to do as well. Yes. Help us to be focused in our work. Yes. We know loving Abba. That you are working through the circumstances in our life. Yes. Using them to forge our character. Yes. That we can be transformed from the inside out. Yes. To become more and more like your beloved son. Amen. So we surrender to the process. Yes. We surrender to your will. Yes. Only have mercy upon us when because of our human frailties and weaknesses, yes. sometimes we become stubborn. Yes. Sometimes we will refuse that work. Please yes. forgive us and teach us every day to always return to you. Yahusha, our king. Yes, Lord we focus all of our work for you. You are our Mashiach. Yes. It saddens us. Yes. That for such a long time, in our previous years, yes. we have not given emphasis on you. Yes. Yes. But yes. now, we will proclaim you. Yes. Yes. You are our king. Yes. Yes. You are our Messiah. Amen. Please give us many opportunities yes. to show the world that you are the true Savior, yes. the Redeemer of the world. Amen. Use us as your instruments that we may proclaim this out of faith yes. with love and compassion yes. that we can be more and more like you. Amen. Do not give up on us, please. Yes. Work in us and in our hearts yes. that every day we'll be transformed and eventually. We shall see your face and be with you in your heavenly abode. Father, bless your people throughout the world. Help us in our work together as we progress in the work of faith that you have gifted to all of us. We ask and beg everything loving Abba in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.